Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Thank you very much. Wasn't that good to hear those stories? Really good to hear. And uh, I know that Rob and Sarah recently had a baby. And Rob wasn't able to help on the big team for a little while as they were sort of settling into new routines. But he was excited, excited about coming back on big team last week, uh, which is an amazing statement, isn't it? Wonderful. Well, I, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of being involved in an email thread where other people are having the conversation. You're just kind of involved in that as it gets batted to and forward. You're just kind of copied in. You're reading everyone else's kind of conversation. And I had this experience this week. It was an amazing moment. Um, Joe Ibert, who's just been hosting our meeting along with Judith. Careful what you say to him. Joe, yeah. Um, lots of things go in my head sometimes. I have to filter out really quickly. Anyone else have that? The filter's not great, I must be honest. Um, I'm learning. And so anyway, so Joe was writing this email. She said that she'd come across somebody through her cap work, the Cap Debt Advice Center, who could redo with some transportation. And they needed some money to do, get a bus pass for a month. It was about 45, 47 pounds for this bus pass. And so she was emailing myself and one of our trustees saying, could we have some money? for our hardship fund to provide this person with a bus pass. And I love this response that our trustee gave was, is that all we're going to give? Can't we give them three months of a bus pass? And can't we give them a a, a grocery store card and give them some sort of blessing and generosity? And I'm sitting on the sidelines watching this conversation going, fantastic, that's how it should be. I love the fact that we have generous trustees. Can I say, that's not the case in lots of churches, who trust, you see, it's their responsibility to hold the purse strings really tightly. I love the fact we've got a generous community. And today I want to talk about this idea of being generous, the idea of going above and beyond what the normal expectation might be. So we'll start by reading a story, a well-known story, but a story I read this week in a different version, the message version in Matthew 25, and hopefully it'll come up on the screen, Um, the slides should be there. Yep, there we go, look at that. So here we go, it says this, Matthew 25, verses 14 onwards. Is it, can I say it before I start reading, this is from the message, which is an American version. They talk about dollars, all right? They didn't have dollars back in the Bible. I know before you write and complain, the original version was slightly different, but go with it because there's a good reason why we're reading from this version. So it's like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one he gave $5,000, to another 2000 to a third one, 1000 sorry, to a third, 1000 depending on their abilities. Then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same. But the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long, time, long absence, the master of these three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him, good work, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant with the 2000 showed how he also had doubled his master's investment. His master commended him, good work, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant given 1,000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowance for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That's a terrible 
way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers where at least I would have gotten, this is obviously before recent situation in the UK, a little interest, a little interest, uh, take the thousand, give it to the one who risked the most and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb, throw him out into utter darkness. It's a different version, it makes you think differently and you read those words of a well-known um, story that Jesus told. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, I pray for this conversation around generosity. Help me to say the things that need to be said and leave the things that need to be left unsaid. Help me to communicate well so that our hearts may be prepared to be generous people, that we would live generous lives, that this would be a generous church community. Amen. I don't know if you ever had a dream that just never seems to happen. Or an idea that you would love to get off the ground. You've got these kind of thoughts or concepts or wonder if one day maybe I could do something. And then someone comes along and says to you, could I help you with that? Could I give you some time to make that happen? Could I pay for that? Could I invest in that? Could I help that come off the ground? Or could I take on some of the responsibility to help organize that for you? Could I take the dream and make it into a reality. You see, the truth is ideas never become reality without somebody helping you achieve it. Ideas never become a reality without somebody helping you to achieve that. Every idea, every book, every music piece written always stays hidden until somebody helps you get it out there. Bear with me if you're not too sure. For a book to become real, a publisher has to get hold of it and produce the finished book. For a script to become a film, a producer say, yeah, I'll make that and give it my time. For an artwork to become a well-known masterpiece, a curator has to put it into an exhibition and show it to others to see. For a business to happen, it needs somebody to say, yes, I'll invest in that and make it a reality. Every story of success is somebody converting an idea into something real with the help of others. And when you hear people say, oh, I'm a self-made success, listen, you don't get a self-made success. There's always support of family, friends, of business colleagues, people who invest money, or even the customers that buy the product you're making in your business. You know, if we want our dreams to become realities, we have to get involved, we have to participate. If we want the dream and the vision of Freedom Church that we have leaders have put together and said, we'd love this to be a vibrant church community where people find Jesus for themselves, encounter him, and learn to follow him, then we need to participate, we need to get involved, we need to join in. And at the root of that participation is generosity, simple willingness to go beyond the norm. Over the last few weeks, we've looked at this Freedom Rocket And everyone every week mentions how terrible the picture is. But no one yet has ever offered to make it better for me. So I'm going to keep on putting the picture up until someone says I could do a better job. Please come and help me out with the situation. Or we'll be showing it to you every single week. But this idea of these different elements of church life that makes what we do work. And we talked that first week about why do we do what we do. 
And, and the fact that God loves us, that's why we do what we do. That we want to be a church where everyone's welcome. We want to be a church where we can get connected and create community and um, you know, grow stronger, which uh, Joe spoke about a couple of weeks ago, the idea of being vulnerable where we grow. And this week, that bit in the middle there, which for me is kind of a hidden piece, I've titled it Simple Generosity. The truth is I had it a different title a week ago and it kept changing all throughout the week. I had all kinds of words down there. I wanted this to be like the support system, the making church work, the how becoming a reality. Um, I just couldn't find anything that really worked for me. I kept on looking and looking and eventually I kind of went at the root of all that we do as followers of Jesus Christ and the way we express God's love is this just idea of generous living, of generous living. When we look at the hallmarks of the early church, which is in our first week, there were 10 different hallmarks. And there's two there that I want to look at this week. They shared everything they had, Acts chapter 2, verse 44, and they gave money to those in need. That's what they did. They were generous. They shared everything they had. Everything they had. Suddenly everyone's thinking, oh dear, everything? They shared everything, and they gave money to those in need. Simple generosity. I've got something. Would you like it? How can I help you? And this for me, this week is all about the values of our church community. You know, why do we do what we do? It's the way that we do why we do what we do. Because remember we do that golden circle thing, we talk about the three different rings. We talk about the why being at the very centre. If you've not heard the different talks, the podcasts from a few weeks ago, please do listen to them and, and um, take some time there. But this idea there being these kind of three circles. And the outer ring is the what are we? What are we? We're a church where we have this expression of a vibrant community, the people that love Jesus. And at the very, very centre is the why. Why do we do it? Because we believe in a God that loves you and me and loves the world. And we are responsible to express that. The middle ring is the how. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Because the how is just as important as the why. The way you run your family, the way you run your business, the way you run your life reflects the person you are. And the same within a church setting, how we do this reflects the heart of the church. And the how, for me, is this concept of generosity. Generosity. Sometimes people look at this part of the church of a bit of the non-spiritual. This is the functional piece, the deacon's role. This is where we kind of took all that spreadsheets and organize ourselves. This is really spiritual. How we live our lives is a huge reflection of the God we talk about. So I spent a few moments this morning just talking about this concept of taking the church from a dream into a reality, of creating this beautiful bride that everybody talks about. You know, the church is meant to be this gorgeous bride. Stunning bride. Now, I've been to lots of weddings. I've officiated loads of weddings. And I've, I've never been to a single wedding where the bride didn't look stunning. I've never looked and gone, hmm. <sighs> didn't make much of an effort this morning, did they? I mean, I didn't. Never had that. Now, I have had the experience when I've come home from a wedding. I've been that by myself. And Lottie says to me, what were they wearing? Dress? What color was it? White. Who knew there were so many colors of white? Well, what kind of flowers were they? Pretty flowers? I'm not doing great on my ladies. I'm not. But when, when a bride gets married, they spent months and months and months preparing for that moment. And they look stunning. Always look stunning. The church 
should be prepared and ready to look fantastic as the bride of Jesus Christ. That's what we're meant to be doing. So when we look at this, this is about how we do, how do we reflect the why? And I want to look at some different areas. And as I was studying this week, I was thinking, yeah, these things I want to talk about. But as I kept going through different aspects of what works in our church, I thought the root of this is generosity. I want to look at the concept of our leadership and how we lead the church and organize ourselves and our trustees and going, actually, this is about people generously giving their time. This is about people treating the church in a generous manner and thinking the best of people. This is about us as the church congregation thinking the best of our leaders and going, yeah, they are great people. We want to serve and follow them. Generosity. We want to, I want to talk about empowering people and this concept about um, giving people opportunity to generously give them a space to do what God has, has created them to do. I love the fact that Tracy's there, sitting in the back row, didn't know I was going to mention her. She's been taking on the children's work for the last couple of months, and she's given herself to that. And while I said to Tracy, please run, be empowered. Here's a budget, here's some time, here's some team, here's some resources. How can we serve you to be great? And run and be great and, and make our children's work the best it possibly can be. And we want to have a church where people are empowered and we are generous in what we give them to do that with. And we talk about team. I love what hearing from Sam and Rob today. That was fantastic. Both of you, thank you for what you brought today. We want to be generous in our team. This idea of sharing an adventure together. It's not just about shaking someone's hand on the door. It's about doing stuff together. That requires time, people being generous with their time. And the last thing about finance, about how do we be generous in our finances? We want to be a generous church in every way. Generous hearted, believing the best in people. Generous spirited, being kind. Generous with our time, generous with our treasure and our talents and our gifts. We want to be generous people. Right at the root of a follower of Christ should be somebody who thinks, I want to do more than what is expected of me. I want to go beyond the normal where we assume this is what somebody should behave like, we want to go to the next place. That's what we should be like, generous people. So I wasn't going to just speak about money today, and I know you're all thinking, oh, here we go, it's the money talk. Woo, where's the exit? Too late. I wish I'd helped in the kids' program this morning. I want to talk about money, and I want to challenge myself. I struggle with this conversation. I'm not always very good at it. I find it a bit embarrassing, a bit awkward. Um, but I just want to say this is something really important. I want to read a few bits from the Bible here, a few loads of verses we could read from, because I want this church to be a generous church, a generous church. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Just because Sim said it's a good idea, don't do it. Do it because you know it's the right thing to do. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Luke 6, give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make a room for more, running over, pouring into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. I mean, each one of these verses I could preach a whole sermon on the back of. I'm just throwing you all the different verses, or not all of them, just a handful of them that I think gets us thinking about generosity. But if you're thinking, you're sitting there going, I haven't got very much to give. Listen to this verse from Matthew 10. This is a large work I've called you into, but don't be overwhelmed by, by it. It's best to start small. Give a cool cup of water to someone who is thirsty. The smallest act of giving or receiving 
makes you a true apprentice. You won't lose out on a thing. That's good, isn't it? Start by giving a cup of water. Mark chapter 4. Listen carefully to what I'm saying. and Be wary of the shrewd advice that tells you how to get ahead in the world on your own. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Stinginess impoverishes. Proverbs 11, last two verses here. Proverbs 11 says this, 24, 25. Give freely, become more wealthy. Be stingy, lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Or I love that in the message version says this. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. They're pretty hard words, aren't they? Jesus spoke on money more times than anything else. Out of the 39 parables he spoke about, 11 of them were all to do with money and possessions. Apparently, according to the magic of Google, there are 2,350 verses in the Bible all about money and possessions. I haven't checked them all. I'm sorry. I haven't done my research fully. There are a lot of verses. The reason why I believe this is the case is because money has got so much to do with our attitude. It is a mirror of who we are. Money reflects our attitude. 1 Timothy 6, it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. It's the most misquoted verse in the Bible, often referred to as the love. So it just says money is the root of all evil. It's not true. It's the love. It's the attitude. Well, if love of money is the root of all evil, maybe the opposite, being generous, is actually the root of all love. Because it breaks something, that hold that money has upon us. You see, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Jesus had no problems talking about money. I might do, and I need to get better at it, but Jesus had no problem at all. It was a real issue. And the truth is, it's, a, it's something we deal with every single day. You cannot live in a Western world and not use money pretty much every single day. It's a reality of our, just the way we live. Our bank statement reflects who we are. What's important to us is there in our bank statement. It reflects our heart. There is a really practical nature to money. Let's just remember, money is just a, a, a tool. It's a thing. In and of itself, it has no spiritual value. But the way that we use it, and our attitude towards it, is very spiritual. And we sometimes look at money, it's just, just a tool, it's a thing that we get to use. But we also need to recognize it's also our worship. It's, our, it's how we recognize the God and how we trust him, whether how we spend our money, what we do with it. So I just want us to remember this, this practical versus spiritual. The, two, the tension of the two are side by side. And we need to make sure we live our life with our hands wide open. That our possessions, our stuff, our money is held lightly. It comes and it goes. If we hold on to it tightly, we restrict God's potential use of that and hold it wide open. The third thing is, that's a screen, I think, Billy, if you can pass it on here. Um, the other thing is about how we use our money. There's a risk in being generous. There is a risk in being generous. We can give somebody a gift and they can put it on eBay next week. Have you ever had that happen to you before? It's a bit awkward, isn't it? A friend of mine, true story, was given a car. He had it for a couple of years, decided to sell it. He was given it, he decided to sell it. The guy who he bought the car from didn't realize it was his old car and rang him up 
is I see you're selling this car. I'm looking for car mats from that particular type of car. Could I buy the car mats off you? And then my friend realized who he was talking to. That was an embarrassing conversation. But you know, there's a risk in being generous. And just a couple of weeks ago, Joe talked about the vulnerability. That There's a vulnerability. When you, when you expose yourself and give yourself to somebody, the way they respond to that is always a risk. They may go, thanks, is that all? They may dismiss it. They may turn it around. They may spend it unwisely. There's a risk in being generous. And we've all had, I think, well, I've had those experiences where I've given, I think, generously. And people, it feels a bit like I haven't really done the things I thought they would do with it. That's not actually my responsibility. My responsibility is to give and to give generously and to trust that God will use the heart of giving rather than actually what that person does with the money. Fourthly, responsibility. There is a responsibility in being generous. Luke 12 says this, when someone's been given much, much will be required in return. When someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. I looked this up this morning. If you're sitting here this morning and you earn £11,000 a year or more, then you are in the top 10% of the world's global rich list. Okay, and I'm not asking for a show of hands, worry not. But you're in the top 10%. You know, the poorest person in our country is one of the wealthiest people in the world. Think about what, where you live. If you earn £25,000 or more, you're in the top 1% of the global rich list. And our national average is about 21.22. If you earn £25,000 or more, you're in the top 1%. So in, in that way, we are rich we have a huge amount of wealth. So when Paul uh, writes to his, uh, his apprentice, Timothy, he says these words, and just remember, you're rich. He says this, tell those rich in this world's wealth, that's you and me, tell them to quit being so full of themselves and obsessed with money. Everyone comfortable here? It's hard, hard-hitting stuff, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Tell them to go after God, who piles on all the riches we could ever manage. That's great, isn't it? You are rich. We are rich in this nation. But do you know what? Let's go for God, who piles on all the riches, to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. Being wealthy and being rich carries responsibility. A wealthy friend of mine once said, if Mercedes living, Mercedes giving. And I think there's some truth in that. If we have something, we need to be, I mean, must give that. I saw an interview just this week with um, Melinda Gates. It's an amazing story what Bill and Melinda Gates from Microsoft have done. They have put billions and billions of pounds into their foundation. And she quoted Warren Buffett, who'd, who well, I think even more amazing, had just given them billions of pounds, said, you just go and organize it. And he makes this statement, if you have a billion pounds, you can live off half a billion. So they thought, great. And they've gone out and they've signed up every wealthy person they could find who, owned, who has hundreds of millions of pounds and signed them up and said, will you agree to give away half of your wealth in your lifetime? And they've got hundreds of people signed up wanting to do that. I mean, I think that's amazing. You might think, well, they've got so much money. It's, it's, listen, they don't have to do a thing, but some people have chosen to. We are rich, and we have a choice what we do with the money we're giving. And lastly, by the way, I've done this with ours. Please take a note of this, because it took me a long time. Thank you. Number five, 
regular giving. Thank you. Thank you for those. Appreciate the uh, regular giving to the things, things you do. You're sitting with a PowerPoint. Regular giving to the church. How do we do regular giving? You see, when we give money away, it breaks the hold that money has on us. It breaks it. Sometimes it hurts when you give. But it's breaking an attitude that money can have over us. I know that happens to me. When money's there, I think, oh, great, I can get this thing or I can have what I wanted. Or, and then God says, oh, could you give that away? And like, oh, really? You can feel your hands kind of holding it in and pulling it back in. And I want to thank this church for being so generous. You are an incredibly generous church. You have given uh, to all kinds of projects over the years. Uh, you know, every year we have a, a financial requirement to run the church, and we deliver that most years um, because of your generosity. But I also need to say, only about half the church actually give. I asked Simon to run some, um, some statistics for me. And can I just say, I make it a real policy. I do not know how much people give. But I need to know as a leader of, of what are we giving and how many people are giving. And so about half the people sitting here, maybe, are giving regularly to the church on a sort of tithing basis. I don't know which ones are which. I'm not looking you in the eyes. I'm trying not to look at anyone at this point. But about half the people give regularly. And um, a couple of years ago, I was sitting at a conference um, up in London, the HTB Leaders Conference. And I was having a cup of tea with a friend of mine in a very posh cup of tea shop. One of those ones that has tea bags that have been handmade, you know, and someone came and sort of draped it in the cup for me. And I felt really out of my depth, but I pretended I knew what I was doing. And I think when I asked to put milk in, that was actually a really bad thing. You know, posh shops, you're not meant to put milk in. Lemon, or, but that's it. So anyway, I was doing my best to look like I fitted in. And my friend Tim, who runs a very large church up at the north of England, he said to me this. He said, have you ever challenged people in your church that don't give? I went, now don't be silly. Has you ever spoken to somebody who doesn't give financially to the church. I say, oh, I couldn't do that. That'd be too embarrassing. I'd feel too uncomfortable. It would be awkward. You know, everything in me, even now, the idea of it going, oh, imagine that conversation. It's horrible. And then he gave me these three things that spun the whole thing around that I thought were brilliant. And I've tried to speak to people, and you may have had these conversations with me about going, it'd be great if you were able to give. And there were three reasons. There are three reasons why people don't give. Number one, you don't have anything to give. You are financially in a mess. You're struggling. You're paying your credit card bill with your credit cards. And your life is actually in a bit of a mess and the finance is a mess. And because of that, you can't give to the church because financially you're in a bit of a hole. Well, as a church, we want to know if we can help you with that. Can we, can we point you towards the work of CAP and go, can we get you onto a, a, a program of getting yourselves out of debt? We actually care about your well-being, including your financial well-being. If you're not able to give because you are not able to sort your finances out and life is a bit of a mess in the financial departments, I know this is an awkward subject. Can we help you? Can we help you with that? You know, get yourself on the money course. Um, Brevin Miles is running a, a regular money course about how do you budget and manage your finances. You know, I know those that went the last course found it really helpful. Get yourself on the course and let's sort out our finances. And, and I, I feel like I want to say to people, well, if you, know, if you haven't got any money, don't worry, don't give. And I'm thinking, no, that's not the answer. If you are struggling with your finances, I want to say to you, start giving and see what changes. And I've got a little concept for you I'm going to reveal, a friend of mine is going to reveal to us in just a moment how we can do this. If you can't give, there's a way of doing this. It works for everybody. Number two, secondly, you don't want to give. You don't want to give. You know what? You come along to the church. It's a great program. The kids love what they do. Young people stuff. I love them. nice coffee. It's fantastic. But you know what? I don't want to give. 
I, I don't feel like this is, I'm not sure where it's going. I'm not sure it's where I'm part of. I'm not sure it's where we're at. So I'm just thinking, you know what? I'm just not going to give. I feel on the fringe. I feel left out. I feel disconnected from church. Well, if, if that's you, I, we want to know about that. We want to know how we can reconnect you into church. How can we make you feel part of things? How can we make you feel like you're connected and part of a family and part of this community? Because actually it gives them a bit of a, a, a warning bell that if you're feeling on the edge, how can we help? But I'd also say, again, if you start giving, it's amazing how much more quickly you will find yourself feeling part of things. When you've got some skin in the game, as the Americans say, you feel like, actually, this is my community. I'm part of this. I'm not going to stand on the edges looking at the pitch and going, look what's wrong. Look what they're not doing. Instead, this is my team, and I'm part of this. And we participate when we start giving. And thirdly, this is the last thing. So firstly is you just can't give financially. You have no money. Secondly, you don't want to. And thirdly, I think there's some screens for this um, on the next screen. Um, excellent. You don't understand the blessing of giving. Oh, sorry, back a bit, Billy. Sorry, I thought there were some screens up for that. You don't understand the blessing of giving. Listen, there is huge blessing in giving generously. Huge. You know, and if you don't understand the blessing of giving, you know what? Ultimately, that's my fault in this church community of not telling you better, communicating, teaching, sharing the stories of God's goodness. Because there are so many stories around of what God has done amongst us. In Malachi 3.10 is a well-known uh, verse. is often used to talk about regular giving. But there's a bit in here. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heavens for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room for it. Test me in this. Try it. That's a great, if you think about that, go, wow. If we give regularly, God promises that there'll be a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. And we could do better at telling the stories of the blessing that comes with giving. You know, all my adult life, I have given regularly to my local church. Since the day I first had a, any kind of income, my first salary was four and a half thousand pounds, and it was for a church. And I thought I'd, I thought I'd won the lottery. I'd have worked for the church for nothing, but don't tell my trustees that. And I, I, I earned this money, but straight away, straight away, I thought, well, I'm going to give a tithe. Why wouldn't I? And all of our married lives, Lottie and I have always given 10% of our income to the local church. And on top of that, to charities and other activities beyond. And when we joined this church, when it was called New Life Church, the, the, as soon as we began, we, we moved our time. But this is our home. This is what we're part of. We will give. And our story, our 20 plus years of marriage and giving together is a story of God's incredible blessing. I feel so blessed. This week, we've had one of the most blessed weeks. Such a Christian word, isn't it? But some of the most, we have received so much from people this week. I find it fascinating as I was preparing for this concept of generosity that God would reveal himself and his generosity to us just this week. I'm going on holiday on Wednesday and uh, the truth is I've not told many people. I've told a few people, a few close friends, but if I'm honest, as a church pastor, I'm a bit embarrassed. I, I, I don't really tell people when I have holidays like this because they're going to get the wrong end of the stick. You see, we're going to go to Florida on Wednesday I know. Nice. Some of you are already thinking, really? How much does he get paid? <laughs> we are flying to Florida. We're going to have a two-week holiday, the first two-week holiday of our married life. And all six of us are going to be on a plane together for the first time ever. I can't wait. But I've kept it a little bit under wraps because I'm a bit embarrassed. I don't like to talk about money. 
I don't know, every, every, listen to it, every time, being really honest here, every time I've bought a car, and I've never bought a new car, every time I've bought a car, someone in the church has always said to me, oh, wow, pay you too much, don't we? Every time, without fail, without fail. And some of our cars, seriously, they should never have said that about some of the cars we had, especially that VW Polo that lasted about six weeks. Anyway, that's another conversation. But here's the thing. So we go on holiday to Florida. But the story of that holiday is this. Last Christmas, December time, Lottie and I are away and we're at a conference and we're meeting um, with a bunch of other leaders at this conference. And Lottie gets chatting to a couple uh, who lead a church in Coventry. And overnight, they just kind of felt like God prompted them to make Lottie an offer of their holiday home. If she talked about holidays, they kind of set this little fleece out. Well, if Lottie talks about holidays, then they're going to... So they'd met her. I knew who they were, but Lottie had not met them before. And the next morning at breakfast, she sits down with them. And the first thing she says, what's your plans for holidays next year? And they just fell about laughing. and said, well, okay, we're going to give you our holiday home. So all I can see is my wife, the other side of the table, in tears. I'm thinking, oh, no, what's happening? And she goes, they've given us their holiday home. I can't believe it. Now, I know where their holiday home is. She doesn't. I'm just thinking, that's six airline tickets. You've got no idea. Thanks a bundle. But it was like, wow, God is so generous. We've got this incredible, and I can show you all the pictures and make you sick, of this beautiful home with its own personal swimming board. It is an incredible thing, and God has been kind to us. Kind to us. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but listen, listen. That's not bad, but it doesn't stop there. Okay, this is where it gets really more embarrassing. So we, we get ourselves a bunch of students over the last year, and we pay for these airline flights. And, and by the August, we've paid for our flights, and we are all sorted, ready to go. But while we're over in Florida, we think we probably should go to Orlando and check out the theme parks up there. Kids, once-a-lifetime opportunity kind of thing. Won't be doing that again. And so, once-a-lifetime, you won't be doing Anyway, Tim Vine does it better. Um, so you kind of got this idea of this, holy, should we do this? And I thought, you know what, I'll get myself a credit card. We've not had a credit card for 20 years. I'll get a credit card. We'll pay for them and we'll work out how we're going to do it when we get back. That was the great big plan. That was my plan. God had a different plan. I tried to book these tickets this week and someone gave us a gift, a large, substantial gift. Within two days, someone else had given us another large, substantial gift. And then someone shoved some dollars through my front door, which with present exchange rates, that's an amazing gift. They put these dollars, and I'm, we are going to America on Wednesday with no debt, with no credit card. But that's the story of God. That is what God does. That isn't just, and, and this week of all weeks, God's been doing our lives. We are sitting there going, God, this is like both creepy and timely and weird, and we're so grateful. What an incredible God. What an incredible God. I know that there'll be lots of people in this church who give regularly to the church. You'll go, I've got stories of God's goodness and kindness and his generosity. So I want to thank you for your kindness. And I want to say to you, I want to say, please, if you're not already giving, we want to talk about this in just a second. How do we give regularly to the church? I want us to be a generous community. Could we start giving if we're not already giving? Could we start giving small you know, at this moment in time as a church, we do pretty well. The church give, like I said, about half give, and what you give enables us to do what we do at this point. But last week I sat down and I thought to myself, God, if we could do anything, what would it cost? And I wrote down a list of the things I'd love to see happen in this church. And I did a bit of maths and I came up with a number which was more than double what we presently have as a church. 
And I was just kind of sitting there with this idea of double. Could we double what we do? I would love to see us have, and I'll give you some ideas of the things I was writing down. I would love, it's great what Tracy's doing, but I would love to see someone paid on staff to be our full-time children's coordinator, doing all the stuff in the schools, assemblies. It'd be amazing uh, contributions for the families in our community. Could we increase our youth leaders' role to a full-time role so they can really not just run youth clubs, but run a youth ministry? that gets engaged with young people around our town? Could we increase our engagement in the work that we're doing in the community with Food Bank and CAP? Are there other things we'd like to do? And lastly, if, we want to, if we're serious, we want to buy ourselves a home or rent or lease a place for Freedom Church to meet, to do its services, to run the various projects, if we're going to end up maintain such a facility, we're going to need some more money. Quite bluntly, we're going to need some more money. And I worked out with the maths, and it worked out about double. And I really felt God kept pushing me on this word double. And then I had a conversation with David. Come and join me here. I had a conversation with David, and he had been woken up in the night with a dream. It's a safe dream. Don't worry. <laughs> and, he, and, <laughs> and I and I had this word about double, and David just said, I've, I just had this dream. And it just had resonated with me, and it really affirmed some of the things that God was saying. So, David, tell us about this dream and this idea that God gave you. I've been woken up several times by God in the middle of the night with, with dreams, and I'm instantly awake when that happens. And when God wants to talk to you, you better listen and hear what he has to say. And ju- just a, a bit of context first. Last year, Sim and I went out to Chicago and um, we saw, we went to a conference at Willow Creek, and we, Sim said, it's quite a big building. I said, yeah, okay, well, I've seen big in my life. I've, I've been to the Boeing factory, that's, that's big. Anyway, but I thought, well, a church, it's got, it's got to be, you know, a decent size. But nothing prepared me for my, my, the sight of my face when I drove into this church at Willow Creek. And it was enormous, and it had fountains and things like that. And everything about it was, was excellent, but not extravagant. And that stayed with me, that excellence, but not extravagant. And the value of that facility is, is something like $189 million. So it's a, it's a huge investment that the church has sown into. But that whole church was founded off people starting by buying some punnets of tomatoes for $1 and then going door to door and then selling those punnets of tomatoes for $2. That's how it started. That's, that's the math that God, or I should say math for the Americans, that's, that's how God works. And so to this dream, um, I woke up about 4 o'clock in the morning and I, I dreamt and had the picture of it all, all worked out. And I said, what are you trying to do, God? What is it you want? And so I, I went downstairs and, and wrote it all down, wrote the maths out. And it's, it's quite simply this. Is let's all start with a pound. Let's all, if, we, if you had 150 people all giving one pound, and they gave a pound for three months, and then in another three months that was then doubled to two pounds, and then in the third quarter, you doubled it to four pounds. And then in the fourth quarter, you doubled it to eight pounds. That's year one. That brings you, with, with gift aid, that brings you about 8,000 pounds. And then you, you then continue that doubling. And you continue that doubling 
if you actually double it forward, it, it's a total giving, including yeah, total giving to a person of about £12,000. But actually, the net result of that with gift aid is actually £2.3 million after 36 months. It's a huge figure. Now, we can't all get there. We can't all do that. But we my hope and what my dream was, was that we could all start with £1. And in my life, my experience has been that you, you start giving and you give something and you show God what your heart is by giving it and you give it away to him. And then he gives you, he gives you more to play with. He gives you more to, 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 to act with and be, to be responsible for. And I, I just feel that why wouldn't I not want to give to God? I love this town. I want to give him my very best of my heart. I hate this place, to be honest. <laughs> I want, to build, I want to build a legacy for God that speaks of his glory and his greatness. Not of mine, but of his glory. And we get to play a part in that. So I just, I just ask you to think about, you know, can we start with one pound? Can we then make it two pounds and actually see what, see what God does? Let God build our faith. You know, the Bible says let's test him. Well, let's blooming do it. Let's, let's test it and, and put, you know... Take God at his word. And do we, do we believe what Sim's talking about or not? And it's, it's about starting with that, with that one pound and moving from there. Thank you, David. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> and watching David's face, we drove in this freeway on this 150-acre site. It was, a, was quite a picture. And his face dropped, this beautiful uh, church building. So this idea about being doubling, doubling. Could, could you start giving regularly to the church? Could you, could you, if you've never given before regularly to the church, could you start with one pound? One pound. Start giving. And I, and I want to say to you, if you start giving and you don't, you don't receive the blessing that God brings of giving, then come and talk to me. I'll, I'll find a way of getting that money back to you. If it's really going to not work for you, then it's fine. Let's test God and let's try it. But I want to see you start giving if you're not already giving. You know, I read that story on Tuesday as part of my regular morning reading and the message version, this idea they were given a thousand, they doubled it. They were sorry, given five thousand, they doubled it ten thousand. They given two thousand, they doubled it. I'd never seen the doubling bit before. And it just resonated with him, this idea that God wants to double, and then we got two gifts exactly the same. We got one, it was doubled. And I felt like God was saying something. And I just want to challenge us, are we willing to give our best to God? Some of us here who give regularly, are you willing to double that giving? Are you willing to give more? This isn't just about filling up the coffers of the church. This is about doing more with what God has called us to do. Could we start reaching out and stretching further in what we do as the money comes into the church community? You know, it is as we are stretched that we grow. Let's stand, shall we? What we're going to do is, um, uh, someone pass me the basket, Lottie. Can you pass that basket? Oh, thanks, Joe. So we've got a basket here at the front. And um, I've already pre-filled it with, with our own. Lot and I will be increasing our giving. We've got to be part of this community. We don't want to just say, please give. We give regularly here. And um, on your chair, when you were giving in, you should have been given a pen and a piece of paper. And I've got you standing up. Sit down for a minute. Sorry, if you're standing up, you're going to struggle to write anything on your... So if you can get hold of that giving piece of paper, you've given the way in. Okay, big team. Can we have some more of those giving sheets handed out, please? Sorry, I thought they were given out on the way in. And the pens. Best laid plans. Sorry, sit down for a minute. It's my fault. I got you up staying too early. It was all the religious piano in the background there making me feel all warm and goosebumpy. Uh, keep just, going, Hannah. Just keep for going. You. Just for you. Wonderful. 
grab a piece of paper. I know this is awkward for lots of reasons, but if you are able to, to give, to consider start giving, and we've made the forms really simple. There's giving forms, there's gift aid forms, okay? They're slightly different. These are just pledges of going, I'd like to give. And we're not asking you to put your bank details in because you might not know what your bank details are. But if you could start just putting in there going, yeah, okay, I want to give. So write an amount, write your name, just take a couple of minutes. And just allow you a chance to fill those forms in. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.